Women Taking the Lead, Episode 71. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Mercy Thiga, who likes to say that growing up in Kenya, she did everything she should do, studied hard in primary school, passed the eighth grade exams that allowed a small percentage of Kenyans to continue to secondary school. She then became one of the 5% that graduated secondary school to attend university, and completing university put her in the top few percent of Kenyans. And for all that, she still faced a 60% unemployment rate, and it took her years to find work. That's when she determined to find a better way for herself and her country. She came to Houston and scrambled through more to become a radiological technologist. Mercy has started a business to focus on genuine education of children, which Mercy perceives as essential for kids in America and Kenya. Her business is entertained to educate my child, and the business is built on the realization that our children are our greatest responsibility. The mission is to maximize the time parents spend with their kids as opportunities for education and to form a community where parents support each other in our greatest calling on this planet. Mercy, that's just a little intro for everyone, so tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Thank you so much for having me on your show, first of all, Jody. I am so honored to be here. This is an amazing, uh, I'm practically shaking. If you hear a rattling sound, yeah. it's probably my knees <laughs> <laughs> knocking together. <laughs> That's so funny because you're in the top percent, percent, percent of people in Kenya. Well, um, all that was to say, I think a lot of it is part of um, an environment upbringing because I was in the urban area with access to schools and you know opportunities that many people in rural areas don't even have the opportunity to access in the first place you know because the difference is um, for example here in America anyone can decide at any age to decide to go back to school and pursue a college education or learn some more. But if the infrastructure and the institutions are not even available in the first place, you know, that's a, a, a really tough uh, territory to navigate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I was, I thank God because I was blessed to have had those opportunities. Uh Going through the school system in itself was a, a an adventure because there's so much focus on learning because it's almost an escape, you know? It's the only way you can get out of your present circumstance is every education. That's what's drummed in and drummed in. But, you know, when you travel the world and see things through other people's eyes and uh, you learn that education is 
awesome, wonderful. Uh, I'm not knocking it, but there's so much more. For example, skills, talents, interests. And that's what I'm trying to figure out how we can let our kids learn about stuff like that. Mm, And I definitely want to dive in more because I love the concept of your business of making every opportunity with your children an opportunity for learning and growth. Right. Um, But we're going to focus on you just a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) So clearly, you know, regardless of opportunity, you still have had tremendous success in your life. Even with the challenges that you faced, you've definitely gained some confidence, but take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Okay. I'll show you find a lot of the times that the background, someone's um, beginnings plays a big role in, in their life, right? So, for example, um, uh, the example I was just talking about, there's this emphasis. There's a, I don't want to say that education is a life and death issue, but when you're growing up in an environment where there are no jobs, it almost is, you know, because if you don't have a job, there's practically no safety net in the society. The only way to advance is, is, is to pour yourself in the, how should I put this? It's so streamlined and institutionalized that you have to be educated. Am I making any sense? Yes, (laughs) yes. And then uh, going through the struggles of finding work and stuff, I made it here to Houston, struggling through school and finally getting some work. Now, the work I found was not ideal for anything that I had been through to that point, but it was work. And I was hugging that work with both hands, both feet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because you always feel like you don't have uh, permission to complain when you know there's millions of people who don't have work. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. So I had this one job and I'd stayed at it for almost four years. And I used to come in late every day because my daughter was going to a school where they didn't have a bus pick up and drop off. You had to drop them, you know, yourself. And they didn't like that I came in late. They didn't officially give me permission to come in late, but um, they understood my circumstance, right? And they knew whenever I get there, I would kick butt for however I would do anything. Because they're still at the back of your mind that other people don't have this opportunity. You know, okay, so long story short, they changed management and the new manager came in and said, everybody else makes it here by 7 a.m. You figure out a way to make it here. Did not want to give any uh, leeway for any personal circumstances or anything like that. And it got to the point where I had to choose between having a job or uh, getting a daycare where I could take my child in. And, you know, if you're working 12 hour shifts, that's probably paying for maybe three hours before school care and maybe, you know, five hours after or something crazy like that. And the fee was going to be so high that I had to drop healthcare. So have you ever worked in healthcare and had to choose between having healthcare for you and your child? Gosh, yes. Or, or 
that was when I realized I am playing so fantastically small in my life that it's this is sad, you know? Yeah. And what, what did you learn from that? I learned, you know, there's a great quote that you end every of your episodes with, that playing small doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve the universe. It's not doing anybody any favor. Because what do you lose by starting a business and going for your dream? You could be in that job that you're hanging on to and you're grateful for and you're blessed to have it. But at the same time in this world, you know, jobs come and go. Whereas you could start something that you're actually passionate about and feel like it's important and is making somewhat of a difference. You may not make a million bucks on day one, but hey, I was broke anyway, so what was I losing? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And Mercy, I know so many women, especially who are in jobs that they don't love. I mean, and don't love is like the nice way of saying how they feel about their work. But they stay partly because there's this belief that they'll they won't be able to find something better out there. And there's a sense of the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't know. Uh So they'd rather stay in their job where they're miserable rather than take the risk of finding something better. And and the truth is that you might have aspects of the job that you do like. For example, I love the people I was working with, which made it so palatable. You, you, you get comfortable. Mm-hmm. But um, like you said, if you're miserable, if it's to the point where you're miserable, And sometimes, to be honest, you might not have a choice because, you know, it's one thing to jump off the cliff. But if you have a child and kids and stuff like that, you have to be realistic, too. Right. Absolutely. But can I share another story that I heard? Sure. Um, I actually heard it on Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast. She has a podcast called Big Magic. And she had... um, an interviewee who said that they were miserable stuck in their job. And they shared a story of a monk who had tried to get into the army, but wasn't qualified. He tried to get into the monastery, but wasn't qualified. And the only job he could get was peeling potatoes at the monastery kitchen. And he decided to make that his ministry to God. And he peeled potatoes with love and devotion. And sometimes that's what you might have to do if you can't leave your job at that moment. But if you can, if you can, if it's a possibility, go for your dreams. Why not? You know, I like I like that story because of the perspective that if you really must stay at your job and you brought up some great reasons why someone might have to stick with the job, you know, the benefits, you know, might be flexibility with um, child care, things of that nature, but to just choose it and do it with devotion. Right, right. So that you're not a victim to your circumstances. It's actually something you're choosing for yourself in your life. And I find when people approach their work with that attitude, they actually can make the changes that they want to make within right. the, biz- the business that they're working rather than constantly fighting against it and being miserable. And you can always use whatever you're present, presently doing um, as a launching pad for what you want to do later. Can you know mm-hmm. stay up two hours a night or work some weekends and get your dreams off the ground? Because, Jody, I'm, as I'm sure you know, 
starting your own business is like the best form of self-development and coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Baptism by fire. Yes. And yes. <laughs> yes. You know, you learn a lot about yourself and you grow, which the worst thing sometimes in life is just being stagnant. That's a problem, I think. Yeah. Yes. And I like that perspective too, because a friend of mine and I, we call it stepping stone jobs. Uh Like this isn't the the end of your destination. Like it's not the destination. It's a stepping stone to the next one, to the next one, to get where you're going. So I I love that perspective. And Mercy, now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Um, so right at the beginning of my journey, I was looking for, there's a lot of talk that goes on that if you follow your passion, uh, things will probably like the stars will align somehow, but the word passion always used to confuse me because there's so many things that I'm interested in at the same time. And, um, not one of the people who at six years old <laughs> woke up and decided I want to be this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, one major revelation that hit home for me was instead of looking for passion, to look for what's important to me. So now when I started thinking of what's important to me, that was actually like a paradigm shift because uh, there's this, have you heard of Sir Ken Robinson? He has like the most viewed uh, TED Talk of all time. No. He has this example of this little girl who the, the school said is not doing well, that she's, you can't keep still, always, you know, just fidgeting and stuff like that. So the mother took her to see this doctor, and this was way back when. So the doctor talked to the mother and then said, I want to talk to you outside the room and left the radio on and then they went outside and just observed through the window and the girl started dancing and was leaping up on the desks and just having a good old time and then the doctor turned to the mother and said you see there's nothing wrong with your daughter she's just a dancer take her to a dance school where she's with other people who need to move to think so the mother took her to a dance school and she said that she felt like that was the first time in her life that she felt that she was with people who were just like her. And she went on to start the Juilliard School. (laughs) And she trained millions of dancers and was a multimillionaire. Now, why 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 that... You've got me crying here. Okay, go ahead, finish your story. (laughs) Now, why that, that talk... I am not doing it any kind of justice. You have to listen to it for yourself. It's by Sir Ken Robinson. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm going to have the link to that for everyone who wants to watch it. I mean, when I heard it, it gave me goosebumps and the hair on my, you know, on my neck stood up and all that stuff because it goes, it circles back to what I was saying in the beginning. If you're brought up in an environment where school is almost like an escape, How many people don't focus on their talent like music, like dance, like art, like coaching, you know, because you grew up thinking, I'll never get a job doing that. 
But meanwhile, maybe that's what you are created to do. So that's exactly why I started entertaining to educate my child. Because the fact is, even if we see all these problems going on in school, we hear about the star testing and people trying to get their kids in university from kindergarten. You have to worry about enrollment and and uh, teacher ratios and how they're being overloaded with work. Guess what? I still send my child to school, you know? And so many parents are in the same situation. We are living in this world where you have to, you feel like you have to do what society says. So my whole uh, goal was to start a way where with the time that you do have, we can figure out how to be an influence on our kids. Oh, what a beautiful story. (laughs) Uh, And it brings me to tears because it's so true. I mean, schools are lovely. And I I know many teachers out there who are trying to make changes from the inside. And they're really working hard at it. But they're not the best environment for all children. So it's finding out how to meet the needs of your child because each one of them are unique and will have different needs. Exactly. And the thing is, it's so easy. Like we take them to school and you have one teacher with so many students. I think I heard, I read a report once where they said, if you have one teacher with, you know, say 30 or 40 students, during a 40-minute class, how much one-on-one attention can you really expect that teacher to give your child? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they come home, they have homework and stuff. They've been sitting still all day, which even I as an adult, if you told me to do that, I'd probably rebel, you know? And then the parents come home and they're tired because they've been at work all day, you know? And then we get, we get into this cycle where it's just like months are passing and years are passing. But if you can say, how can I, you know, even supplement what goes on in school? What, what is simple and easy for me to do that would help my child and work mm. in tandem with what is going on in school? You know, then you're able to take those 15 minutes you have a day or the one day you have a week, like a Saturday and, and, argument what's going on in school, you know? Yes. And that, you know what, that's a great segue to um, the next question I wanted to ask you, which was about your leadership style, because we all lead differently. Uh And I have a feeling your answer is going to be different from everybody else's because your focus is different. So Mercy, how would you describe your leadership style? Um, That is a tricky question for me to answer, because sometimes it's kind of hard to even think of yourself as a leader if you're not officially given the title with a plaque on your desk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Until you realize you are a leader in some shape or fashion. Yes. So I have a very bizarre leadership style because... Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Because I finally figured out that it's easier to... You'll, you'll guess from the name of my podcast, Entertain to Educate. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're talking to a boss, even if you're talking to your kids, once people are bored, they tune out. So my leadership style is to try and pull rather than to push. So I try to make things fun and jovial and uh, entertaining. I want to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have said that out loud. I have this face. 
Maybe we can work out a deal. I'll find something I can contribute. Uh, but yes, that I is have so a cheeky memory for stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll be hearing from you really soon. But that's so true that if they're bored, they're you know it's a struggle for them. But and it's true for all of us, even for adults, because I consider adults just children in larger bodies. Right. When we're entertained and we're really enjoying something, it doesn't occur like work. Exactly. Like when it is a game, when we make it a game. Exactly. And then it's. Yes, you are exactly right. Because then people are having fun and they're participating, you know, mm -hmm. without having to feel like you're bossing and lording over them and stuff like that. Not to say so that I can't crack a whip once in a while, but. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> And Mercy, what's one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Well, right now, the best fun I'm having is on, you know, Periscope? Yes, I do. I started doing a 10-minute segment once a day because that's not too long for people to just uh, hop in and uh, see what's going on. But I share the, the parenting tips that I've come across that have been helpful to me. So I just share one tip. And from that, I've been getting a lot of interaction. That's really great. And that's something people can, can connect to through Twitter. Right, correct? right, right. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. For example, um, you know, going in with the thing that we've been talking about. Can I give you an example of a tip that yes, I'll share? Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, for example, let's say you want uh, your child is watching TV but you want them to stop watching TV and come eat dinner, but you don't want to have a meltdown and a tantrum and all that. So what you do is you form an emotional bridge. You just walk over, uh, sit down next to them and say, what are you watching? And they'll probably be like Nickelodeon, which is boring to all hell, but nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> sit down and watch for a minute or two and talk about the characters. And then if they have like a toy, uh, say, you know, your, your little rabbit there is looking pretty hungry. Why don't you come to the dinner table? And we'll put pause. You know, when I was growing up, we only had two stations. And you'd only watch your show depending on who else is senior in the house. My dad chose first, which is probably football or news, then my mom, then my two older brothers, then my sister. So I only watched one show a week, you know. Don't worry, the show will be back when you... It'll still be here when you get back. And you just lead them, you know, take the toy to dinner. Isn't that much easier than standing there and shouting, come on, I said come eat your dinner. Yes, <laughs> which would take a lot longer than a minute. Exactly. Because I've seen, I don't have children myself, but I've seen this go down. I know what it looks right, like. Right, <laughs> right. And it works with anyone too. You wouldn't run up to your boss and ask for a raise when they're looking like a storm cloud, you know. Right. We probably, but because it's kids, we kind of feel like we can tell them what to do instead of just stopping for a minute and looking at the world through their eyes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right. there's so many tips that being in this space, I'm starting to come across. And like you said, they work with adults too, because adults are just kids in uh, bigger, <laughs> bigger <version>. bodies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Marcy, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? Uh, thinking of who I'm serving. 
because it, it takes you out of being in your own head and in your own thoughts and seeing what is needed and how you can serve, which means that you're actually making progress. Yes, it's a customized approach that you were just talking about where you create that emotional bridge. And to create an emotional bridge for somebody, you have to meet them where they are. Yes, it's like creating rapport. Yes, I love that. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? I would recommend Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, I'm sure that's an unusual recommendation, but she's the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Mm -hmm. And she wrote the book, Creative Living Beyond Fear, because just my um, unauthorized observation is that women have a tougher time walking through creativity, I think, because we have all these voices in our head that tell us to slow down. Mm. I think, and also what came to me when you were saying that too, is we also have voices that say, don't disrupt. Right, right. Right. And sometimes to be creative, you do like creativity is a, basically about like changing things right, and taking risks. So it's yes. almost like giving yourself permission to do that. I love that. OK. And what advice would you give your younger self? Ah, that's a tough one, because, you know, so when you think back, all these things lead up to who you are now. So. I would say maybe just stand up, uh, not be so willing to fit in with what society woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know. Uh, There's a popular saying, nice girls don't make history. So why not ruffle a few feathers? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good quote too, which leads us to share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. (laughs) My favorite one of all time is by Albert Einstein. It's everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. I love that one too. And nobody's shared that one yet. So that you're the first person. That I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, that's brilliant. It's so true. All right, Mercy. Lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Um, my favorite way is on Facebook. I'm at Mercy Stop K2. Uh, and on Twitter at Mercy Mercy K. Okay. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. And Mercy, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us and make us laugh. (laughs) We're all better for having met you. This has been so (laughs) awesome. Okay, now I can relax. (laughs) 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 I can breathe. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? 
Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.